0: Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, The Well Endowed Podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can check them out and subscribe right now at the thewellendowedpodcast.com. Fine.
1: Yeah, me too. This week has been fine in that unusual way, and that there's usually something going on. Something exciting has happened. A big to-do. The weather was weird. This week has been fine.
0: Well, there is a to-do coming, because it's yeah. almost our anniversary.
1: Almost. But that's not that that hasn't happened yet. It's true. So this we past don't... week has been a bunch of calm (laughs) leading up to something
0: we don't have a report on our anniversary to give because it it is going to happen the day after this episode drops yes yeah
1: which is several days after this episode is recorded
0: it's true yeah so other than that so i guess we'll
1: report back next week
0: yeah things are just kind of steady right now
1: yeah normally there's something exciting for us to talk about something weird
0: not really this week
1: not really this week yeah so shall we talk about a book Sure. All right.
0: All right. But I guess we'll start then with a brief recap of our previous chapter. As we do. In which uh, we have a level one encounter. The team finds a mysterious tower and encounters an equally mysterious sphinx that delivers the classic sphinx riddle, which, of course, Dr. Cox knows the answer to. And then everybody is impressed by this biomechanical marvel. And then we move on further into the island and further into the book as we move on to chapter five of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So this chapter actually begins with a bit of a flashback.
1: Yeah, so we're going to jump back in time a little instead of immediately going into the island again.
0: Yeah, it's framed as Addie having a bit of a flashback in her thoughts as she thinks back to... Uh, The couple weeks of preparation she had before going on the mission.
1: I don't even think it was a couple weeks. I think it was one week.
0: Specifically, it was during some of her prep that didn't involve the mercenaries, where she was like looking through source material and trying to come up with stuff that may have inspired the production team. Yeah, doing her
1: professory job.
0: Yeah, and she's visited by Harris Lang himself. The first time she's seen him since he offered her the job, in fact.
1: (laughs) I don't know that I would call it a job offer, per se, but anyway. I mean,
0: she even straight up admits in her conversation with him, that she's technically working for him at the moment.
1: Uh, Yeah. If you want to get fussy about semantics. Like,
0: he arranged for her to take leave from the university and arranged a house sitter. Like, it's all on his dime. She is currently, like, a contract employee.
1: Compensations have happened. I get it. Anyway.
0: Now, if we were wanting to pour any fuel on the speculation that we had last chapter, that this is all somehow a game, this whole conversation is just like chucking gasoline onto that.
1: I cannot nod loud enough for the microphone (laughs) to pick it up. Yeah. I am nodding so hard.
0: Because Lang is being deliberately withholding on information. Yes! Like, he could spell out to Addy in this moment, here's the stuff that you should be looking for, but he's deliberately cryptic. Yes. And it's just like, huh, oh, could be anything on that island. I guess you're going to have to wait and see.
1: That fuels the unwilling, unknowing game tester theory like nobody's business. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Like, if he was seriously invested in getting his island back... You'd think that he'd be all in and telling them everything they can expect. But he's explicitly just being like, it's magic. Who knows?
1: That is almost exactly what I wrote down (laughs) in my notes about this. If he genuinely just wanted the island back, he would tell them everything. Yeah. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah. He's not that weird. Or unless he is that weird. I don't know.
0: He also leaves her with kind of an order. To deliver a message to her ex, Mm -hmm. Dominic Brand, which is... A chess move. Yeah.
1: Bishop to king seven.
0: And Addie's like, are you playing a long game of chess with Dominic? And that's the next move. And again, in typical fashion, Harris Lang is just like something like that.
1: I'm not a chess expert. Please do not take the... I am not some kind of grandmaster. But in my head, a bishop moving to a king, this particular move, a bishop to king seven... Is that not at least approaching check?
0: Well, we don't know what the rest of the game setup looks like, right? It's true. And also, he doesn't suggest that this is specifically a chess move. He says oh, something like that. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So it, it's hard to say exactly what it means at this juncture. But I feel like it's important enough because it, it's a specific mention and it's something that the the text is pointing out to us. Yeah. So it'll come back, I'm sure. Yes. After giving her this uh, cryptic message, he also says that it'll be kind of up to her and the mercenaries to figure out the cheat codes on the island. I mean, this is the context of of why she's remembering this, because she's thinking back on it and realizing right now, like, if their maps are wrong and the information they have is incomplete, how are you supposed to find the cheat codes in a game where the rules have changed, is is pretty much how she explicitly words it.
1: Yeah, and she's not wrong. But again, all of this talk of of cheat codes, etc., it's really pushing the unknowing game testers theory
0: Yeah, even
1: further. All yeah. of this. This whole bit.
0: Now we also get a little more context of some of the rest of the design team in this chapter.
1: Oh yes, this was nice.
0: Because uh, in addition to Dominic Brand, who was kind of in charge of the overall production design on the island, we had Tess Selvacan, who is the chief engineer. She was the one who was responsible for kind of bringing his ideas to life. Right. And then there was an overall project manager in Arthur Beckett, who was technically over both of them. But the implication is that maybe he was a little hands off and that's why Dominic was able to kind of like do his own thing. Yeah. The point is that there are two other project hits, And so if they can't reach Dominic or they can't get him to like shut everything down and hand back over control, there's two other people they might be able to reach out to. Maybe. But there's also two other people who might have been responsible for taking control.
1: Also maybe. Is the other flip side. Yes, exactly. So these people are kind of unaccounted for. Yeah. Right. Well, so we don't know what side they're on.
0: They're, apparently there's 60 plus people on the island who were working on the project and none of them are accounted for at the moment. We haven't seen a human face. Right. We'll see some other things this chapter, but we have not <laughs> seen a human face yet. No, not yet. Yeah. The other thing that she was aware of while she was doing this research was that a lot of what was driving the production of the island so quickly was the PR team. Like they were putting together this marketing campaign and they were basically making a bunch of grand promises and apparently the production team felt really put upon to deliver. Right. Amusingly, uh, Addy thinks, oh, so game design really hasn't changed. <laughs> the technology is much more advanced, but basically this is this is a video game design process.
1: Yeah, where the marketing team's like, yes, we have all of these amazing things. And then the the, the dev team's like, uh, yes, you, we'll have you this promise them a what now
0: we'll have a grand opening next year. And the production team is like, we haven't even put stakes in the ground. Like, <laughs> yeah, no,
1: no, 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 no.
0: yeah I, I thought that was amusing and realistic.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more thing I noticed yep. that I want to point out, because I think it'll be really important is that everything created on this island According to uh, the information that Addie had mm-hmm. uh, had, right, the the outdated stuff is technically original content.
0: Yeah, like they've remixed stuff, but they haven't cribbed anything.
1: Yeah, like a Sphinx is a public domain creature. It is a, a creature from mythology. Yeah, right. No one, no one has any kind of copyright or licensing claims or anything like that to a Sphinx. Yeah. Same thing with a unicorn. Yeah. Same In- thing with
0: Insula Mirabilis is not. A World of Warcraft game. It is not nope. the Forgotten Realms. It is not Middle Earth. It is not an established franchise. They've created something new so that they can trademark
1: it. Yes. Heavily inspired by... Oh, yeah, for sure. And the list is long. But, yes, everything here is original, quote-unquote, original content.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's full of fantasy tropes, but it's oh, its own yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that is probably going to help Addy solve some puzzles
0: because it's all public domain stuff. Yeah. Possibly. We'll have to wait and see. They haven't really encountered much in the way of puzzles yet.
1: Not really. But I think
0: it'll it'll come. It'll happen.
1: I think it'll I'm come sure. into play. That's yeah. just that's just my guess.
0: Now, back in the present, Addie is driving ahead, like seeing the sphinx in real life and kind of like experiencing the fantasy of the island for the first time has made her eager to the, to find the next encounter.
1: Oh my gosh, you want to see a unicorn so bad. To
0: the point where the mercenaries are like, you need to slow down. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: slow your roll, lady. You're going to get us in trouble.
0: They take a bit of a break and Torres takes this opportunity to be like, okay, so while we're here eating our freeze-dried beef stroganoff... <laughs> What can you tell me about Dominic Brand? Because he is our target. He's the guy we're trying to make contact with. Right. Is he going to be happy to see you? Like, how did things break off with you?
1: Which is, I think, a fair question for him to ask because Torres will have a dossier on Brand, right? But that's not the same as, like, actually knowing him. Yeah. And Addy can fill in some of the some of the blanks. Well, and right?
0: more than that, too, again, this is the person they're trying to make contact with. They've brought along a person who might be able to reach out to him. How's that interaction going to go? Like, fill us in here. Is he going to be happy to see you?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, Addy's information falls into the same category as everyone else's information, which is, outdated.
0: Yeah, cuz they ended the relationship 6 years ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. So she hasn't been close to him for a while, so she knew who he was.
0: But 6 years is a long time.
1: A lot can happen.
0: Yeah. And she's like and honestly, I broke it off. It was my decision and he would probably say that I put my foot down and said, you know, it was either Harris Lang or me and he was choosing Harris Lang and so I left. But the truth is, he was Her first relationship after the death of her previous boyfriend. Yes. Who was murdered. So she was dealing with a lot of emotional baggage and a lot of trauma. And Dominic sees himself as a hero. Like, well, at
1: least according to Addie.
0: Yeah. Right? Like, he saw her as a damsel who needed saving she was a damsel in distress and it was an opportunity for him to be gallant and to be yep. like the the kind of fantasy heroes who he obviously is interested in and while for a while that was very helpful for her she didn't want to be coddled like that forever and he would have been very happy to go on treating her that way for
1: and continue to be the hero and the knight in shining armor etc and, et and
0: she didn't need that anymore she needed to move on from that and she recognized that and that's why she broke it off with him yeah and, I mean, that's that's actually a very mature thing for her to understand. Yes. And for her to, to do, but it may have been very hurtful to him. And she acknowledges that, and the mercenaries kind of interpret that as, he might not be too happy to see you then.
1: Eh, maybe.
0: Because this might be a sore point for him.
1: Well, I'm not entirely sure how amicable their break was.
0: And she doesn't really say, but, no. I mean, there's certainly the implication that it was a little frosty. And the fact that they never stayed in contact over the following six years implies that it was probably Frosty. Like, granted, he was busy and she went on with her academic career. But the implication is that, like, they didn't remain friends after. Not really. Yeah. But this does inform something interesting about Dominic. He sees himself as a hero.
1: Yep. Okay. I just... Are we dealing with another overprivileged, entitled white guy?
0: I mean, we might be. I will say this. This gives me a little bit more of a clue that things aren't so clean cut as Dominic has taken over the island. Why would a guy who sees himself as a knight in shining armor, as a fundamentally a good guy, take over the island unless there was some mitigating reason for it, or he's not the one who's taken over the island. One or the other.
1: Yeah. Could be. I can construct a whole crazy narrative in my head about what may or may not be going on, but it's me wildly and irresponsibly yeah. speculating. And I
0: mean, this is also slightly informed by, by our previous book, is yeah. the unfortunate thing. Because in that book, we did see an entitled toxically masculine dude Ugh. go off the deep end. It's hard not to let that inform our uh, view of Dominic in this moment. But nothing that Addie says suggests that he's necessarily a bad dude.
1: No, that's the other thing. Which makes me think that it maybe wasn't as messy a breakup as we might assume it was. Right? Because she doesn't have any horrible thing to say about him. Also, she's coming on this mission. Yeah. Right? Specifically to talk to him. And
0: she didn't suggest in any way that it was a bad relationship. It just wasn't what she needed anymore.
1: Yeah. So if everything ended horribly and messily and terribly, she would want nothing to do with him ever again, ever, and would not be here.
0: Well, and she even seemed surprised that he would do this when first confronted with this information, right?
1: Right. Well, she keeps questioning that. Like, would he do something like this? Yeah.
0: And so that's why my instinct is to give him the benefit of the doubt, because we haven't seen him yet. And that may be unfair. (laughs) But my instinct is to say that the clue here is that he doesn't see himself as a bad guy. So why would he do this unless there was an underlying motivation?
1: Right. Which, again, fuels the theory of the unwilling game testers.
0: Yeah, that not everything is as it seems.
1: And I'm genuinely starting to think. I wonder if it isn't Lang versus Brand. If maybe Dominic got so confident in what they were doing that he was bragging to Harris Lang that this island was impenetrable or the games were unsolvable or something like that. And Lang is going, Oh, yeah, I'll send you the best I got. Let's prove to me that my island is as amazing as you say
0: it is. It could be. Like it could be very well that Dominic and Lang are in on it,
1: right? Maybe. Well, that's just it. Dominic may or may not know that they're coming.
0: And again, Harris Lang could be the dark lord.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly it. Those two things don't necessarily need to be separate. <laughs> it's true.
0: But we're this is again all speculation.
1: Oh, crazy and irresponsible.
0: Yeah. Um so there's a little bit more action though, cuz after they uh have their little break, they make their way into a clearing and Notice at first what feels like thunder, and then they realize those, those are hoofbeats. There's something coming.
1: This is rumbling. This is land rumbling.
0: Yeah. So they have their uh, Gallimimus in Jurassic Park moment.
1: <laughs> That's what I thought it was, too.
0: <laughs> where they, they have to uh, vacate into the woods and hide, and a herd of majestic unicorns storms by. And Addie is like, I want <gasps> to go to there.
1: Addie's like, unicorns.
0: Um, and it takes her a moment to realize they're actually being chased by something.
1: Yeah, it, again, the Jurassic Park moment. Yeah. We're like, oh, the herd, they're coming. They're coming for us. Run, ah, run. Why are they coming for us? Predator.
0: Yeah, they're being chased by warg riders, Um, which like wargs are-
1: Giant pig dog beast things.
0: Yeah, and- Kind they, of like
1: how she describes them in the book.
0: They don't get a good look at the riders, and so there's some question about what they might have been, if they were people or not. I'm going to go based off of the cover of the book and suggest that they are some sort of goblin or orc.
1: Okay, so I actually wrote this in my note, because I have a question for you, because you know more about this than I do. Mm -hmm. What rides a warg?
0: A goblin or an orc, generally. Okay,
1: orcs belong to Tolkien,
0: do they not? No, they're pretty public. Orc high,
1: for sure, belong to Tolkien.
0: Orcs are pretty public domain at this point.
1: Okay, same thing with goblins?
0: Oh, goblins for sure. Goblins are are ancient mythology.
1: Okay, because we know, that's why I brought up that everything here is considered original content Mm -hmm. or public domain. Mm-hmm. Right? So specifically using something from Lord of the Rings, I think would be a no-go.
0: Orcs are in everything. So, I mean, it, it's pretty fair game. Okay. Um, That's fair. I would err on the side of maybe goblins, but I don't know. We'll have to wait. I
1: would also err on the side of goblins because she says that they were human figures riding the wargs. Mm-hmm. And a goblin to me would make more sense than an orc because orcs are big.
0: Yeah, orcs generally in the in the popular culture are rather hulking, so they'd probably stand out. Yeah. Whereas goblins can be a little more human-sized, or smaller sometimes, depends on the fantasy you're looking at.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Are these people dressed up as goblins, or are they biomechanical goblins? I don't know. That would be the next question. And my feeling would be biomechanical goblins, as opposed to people dressed up as goblins, if only because there's only 60-ish people on the island, and they're the production team, they're not paid actors.
1: Yeah, why on earth, if there are no... Active visitors to this park would
0: they have performers,
1: yes, yeah, why would they be if they have performers, why would they be performing? yeah, short of like a practice run, that seems kinda silly.
0: This could be a practice run for the island though uh, we don't know
1: it still feels kind of silly,
0: yeah, so uh, I could be wrong, it could be dudes dressed up, <laughs> but <laughs> it my could be... my feeling is they're probably biomechanical,
1: yes, my thing is if it was a practice run, if they actually are people, right, mm-hmm. There wouldn't be the need for all the realism, right? Like, there would be a trainer out in the field shouting instructions to them. They wouldn't have to keep all of that hidden, which actually points to the island being a little more uh, self-sufficient. An autonomous system running on its own.
0: Yeah, yeah. Addie does note that uh, while the the war riders do chase the unicorns, when the unicorns bolt into the woods, they just kind of give up. And she intuits that they probably just noticed the unicorns and thought it was fun to give them a merry chase. But they're actually doing something else. And that leads to the question that Addie doesn't ask. What were they doing? Right. And my instinct is they're looking for something, which implies to me that they're looking for Addie's team. Maybe. So I think that they've been... Noticed or discovered.
1: Well, if there's anything anywhere that indicates that the force field has been breached, someone somewhere then would know that something is up.
0: Further to that, there's two other things. Number one, if you're managing an island experience, you probably have surveillance set up all over the place.
1: Probably. So they're very
0: likely being watched. Number one. Number two, they did injure the Sphinx.
1: Uh, they also interacted with the Sphinx yeah. and caused it to run on like a program protocol. Yeah. She answered answered the riddle and it stood still. Yeah. And
0: it then and then flashed they flashed
1: into statue mode.
0: And then they damaged it. And then so they damaged it. They they've left evidence that something has happened. Yes. So I mean there's a couple reasons why their presence might have been noted at this point. Yeah. So my guess was the war riders are actually looking for them
1: quite possibly yeah this team is not traveling without trace entirely
0: no they're they're traveling with haste and stealth but they're not invisible right yeah also kudos nice little shout out to the movie legend there at the end
1: i've never seen the movie legend
0: you should probably see the movie legend tim curry famously plays a great devil in it and swore off ever acting in makeup again because it was (laughs) elaborate oh yes but uh yeah
1: what was the shout out to the movie Legend that I haven't seen?
0: She straight up talks about how see she wants to reach out and touch a unicorn, but then it makes her think of being in magical mazes and Tim Curry dressed up as a devil and
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. okay. She's yeah.
0: she's specifically referencing the mm-hmm. movie Legend.
1: There. Well, the the chapter is called Though I Do Not Know the Way, which is a uh, direct cut and paste from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So can I can I just add one comment and one question? Sure. I am adoring Addie in this chapter. Because she wants to play the game so bad. She does. It's adorable. She
0: recognizes that's not why they're there. Though.
1: No, yeah. but she wants to nerd out and it's great. It's it's fantastic. And the question I've brought up is, why does no one on this mission seem to know exactly what it is they're doing on this mission? I need to know. Right? That's a little sus though, don't you think?
0: Yes. Just a little bit? It is interesting that Torres's team was also not given all the information. Which again leads back to the idea that something is not as it seems. Harris Lang is playing a game. Yeah. And they're tokens in the game.
1: Because more than once Torres has had to explain what they're doing or or put somebody in their place about what they what their job is. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think anyone has all the information about what they're actually doing.
0: Yeah, because it's El Monte uh who mentions
1: their job is to find out what happened to that our uh,
0: yeah their their job is to basically get justice for the sinking of the of yeah. the cutter, and Torres is like, no, our job is to secure the island. The authorities will deal with that later,
1: yes, and then Rucker seems to think he's just there to shoot things. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure well anyway. he
0: he is there as the muscle,
1: yes, but. I know, but yeah, everyone seems to misunderstand the objective, so I'm just saying that's a little sus,
0: but with that, we'll wrap it up here. I don't want the episode to get too long. It's already going to be a bit of a nightmare to edit because, spoiler alert, we've been a little scattered and all over the place on this one. So uh, we're just going to kind of have a nice easy end here. (laughs) And you'll want to read up on chapter six in time for next week. And in the meantime, you know, nobody got injured in this chapter.
1: Thank goodness. Which
0: is good. But if they had, (laughs) hopefully... Lang analytics has a great benefits package but they're a giant mega corporation and you're thinking to yourself scott i'm the owner of a small business not a giant mega corporation what if i need to provide benefits to my employees the good news is here in alberta alberta blue cross has your back
1: This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca good segue
0: well done alberta blue cross uh you can find out more about them and the other sponsors for the network right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com yes while you're there you can also check out all the other member podcasts Oh, please do there'll be something there to your liking guaranteed. You can download it on your podcatcher of choice. Yes. While you're there, you can give us a little rating and a review.
1: Oh, please do. We appreciate you and we, your opinions.
0: We also appreciate you and your opinions on social media.
1: Yes. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. So pick your poison.
0: Yes, we're at the along at all of those. Yes. You can also reach out to us via email. Yes,
1: we are thereadalong at gmail.com.
0: And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time.
1: Unicorn!